Welcome to the Avance Podcast. I'm Dan. And I'm Nick. You're going to do it right this I time? I didn't do it this time. Okay, fair <laughs> enough. Yeah. No echo this time. So. No echo either. Yeah. yeah. How's life? Life is good. We are busy. Busy? Yes. That's good. That's I got good. a new uh, knockoff cheap cabinet for my shop that I needed. Knockoff cheap cabinet. What did you need a cabinet? Oh, for the for the, all the Griot stuff. Griot stuff, yeah. Yeah, Griot's Fair garage enough. products. Uh, we have used our Avance discount heavily with them, and we are full of garage products that I had no place to put, so I bought this cabinet. I think, you know, it's unfortunate because I think you and I are going to hang out on Saturday, but um, and this will probably come out afterwards, but I think they're doing their big, like, if you go down there, yeah, a big sale. So, yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to think. We always get more product than I need when I'm down there. And we always talk about more product we do need. We have, a, I, it, I mean, this cabinet is 36 inches wide, 72 inches high, and I got the deep one. I think it's 24 inches deep. It's going to be full entirely, and I still going to be. Can't wait to OCD to organize that. That's, I'm looking forward to that. <laughs> Don't you take that away from me. No. The garage build yeah. is coming along. There you go. That's yeah. good. Shout out to Megan for our last episode, and uh, she's doing uh, extensive repair on the Still can't believe she fell for that. Like, hey, why don't you come hang out at our place and we'll record a podcast? She's like, sure. Like, we took her out to the murder barn, and she still wanted to work on her car. I know. You warned her it was going to be expensive to be friends with us. You know, it is, you know, she wrote, (laughs) she gave us a message this week that apparently it is starting to, she's a preferred member at O'Reilly's and AutoZone and and, uh, Home Depot now. So, yeah. Yeah. Anytime you restore a car, you'll find yourself uh, not only buying a lot of tools, They'll be fabricating a lot of tools. <laughs> yeah, but hers is her her Fiat's like a you know search and find because the more she digs, the more she finds. So right, yeah, yeah. Now we all know what seam sealer is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> a lot of it, <laughs> inches worth. Yeah, yeah, and all yeah. the like three different types of welders you'll need. Pretty much at least yeah. spot. At least yeah, TIG, MIG, stick, spot. All of I I don't know I you know I really should learn how to weld. I just need to get the frame rack attachment for my lift that's coming now. I'm just more worried about <laughs> the things I'll catch on fire if I do it though. So I don't want to go yeah. into that deep detail in a yeah. restoration. Anyway, uh, Carter Automotive Group tip of the week this week uh, is a little body body shop hack I learned over the years. Um, really simple one that everybody should know. So uh, what we used to do back in the day when we were working in body shops is you'd get overspray on the windows occasionally. It's just in the air when you're painting a car. Sometimes there's a little like a. Uh, an untaped seam between the paper you tape off and you get a little overspray on the glass. Really easy way to get rid of that is to use a, I don't know what the technical name for it is. I think it's triple ought. It's z- pound zero, 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 zero or hashtag zero, 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 zero. Okay. That's the type of steel wool. Oh, okay. And uh, you want to use a fine or ultra fine steel wool on the glass. And it is great for taking off overspray. It's also great for just playing cleaning exterior glass. You don't want to use rough steel wool. You don't want to use your mom's soap scrubber steel wool. And you don't definitely don't want to use like red um, Scotch-Brite. You want to use really fine steel wool. And it's really, really great for after you use your glass cleaner, you could just rub all that over it. It'll really decontaminate the glass. It'll take off water spots as well. Won't water it? spots on yeah. glass, things like that. It's a fantastic little trick. Stuff's dirt cheap. It's like yeah. six, seven bucks for a pack that you can pull apart on Amazon. Um Enough steel wool for the whole neighborhood. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and, and you don't need a lot of it to do it. You can do a whole car with just one little pack. And it's uh, it just, you'd be surprised. Like even just like once a year, just go over your car that you'll, you'll have cleaner windows than you ever thought possible. Obviously, you don't want to use them on the inside where there's tint or something. Um, <laughs> just to put it out there. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's steel happened. wool. You know, you know somebody's yeah. done it. Yeah, absolutely, it's yeah. probably one of us. Clean up those edges. But, yep. And yep. you want to make sure you don't rub it up against uh, the rubber seals if you have like... Um, the you know the black space between like a four door car or the trimmer on the window it can leave little fine scratches on that so uh, use it sparingly just use it on the glass parts but it's a great way to really strip down the glass and get it down to that base layer get rid of contaminants it's a good thing to do okay so yeah that's our Carter Automotive Group tip of the week 
Uh, we have an excellent guest this week who is in the biz of making old cars better, restoring things. Uh, you're in the body shop biz. And our guest this week is Shant Meshafagian. And I did. What's up, yeah, guys? Yeah, I practiced that. You did. Fanatically, <laughs> fanatically you definitely have it written down in that front was, of an iPad. That was, that was yeah. great. <laughs> so, great. Welcome to the show. Um, Thank you, guys. It's great to have you. Uh, you were featured in not the l- most recent uh, Avance magazine, but the one before that. And you have some of the most yeah. interesting Radwood special vehicles we have ever seen. Vehicles that we grew up with Thank seeing you. in the magazines. So it's really cool to see them still around. For sure, man. Thank you guys for having me on the podcast. That's uh, truly a, an, an honor. And uh, yeah, man, it's just, you know, that's kind of stuff that I dabbled with, kind of saw growing up as a kid. And it just kind of, I took it to the next level the older I got. So it's pretty fun stuff. I mean, I you think, know. you know, Dan and I were talking about, and if you haven't seen the epi- or the the article, you definitely need to go pick it up because um, yeah. give me the full name of the car that was 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 in the article because I want to make sure I get everything right. <laughs> Yeah, so it's it's a one of one 1985 Mercedes 500 SEC, and it's a Koenig special. <laughs> okay, yeah, not Koenig set, yeah. Koenig. I know. And if you're, uh, yeah, and if you were, yeah. this is go ahead. Yeah, yeah, this is way before Koenig set was even evolved. Uh, they they've been around since like the the mid 70s. Mm-hmm. So totally different company, totally different direction on what they did, but you know, definitely special. Let's talk about the car a little bit first, and then I want to get back to talking kind of about how you grew up and things yeah. like that, and and where the car came from, and how it's a one of one, and 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 you know where this idea came from. Well, the car originally, well, I'll, I'll explain how the car came about. It was it was basically brought to my attention by a good friend of mine. Um, the owners that the previous owners were the original owners on the car. They bought the car in '85. It was a European delivery, and they went out to Germany. They picked the car, they specced it, and they they drove it around Germany for about a week or two. And they were personal friends with Willy Koenig. And they drove the car to Koenig and wanted something special done with the car. At the time in 85, Koenig was kind of at their heyday doing, doing all kinds of Ferraris, twin turbo kits, wide body kits, just real extravagant, crazy things. And that was in, in so, Germany, correct? Is, is that where Koenig, Koenig was? They were they were based out of Germany. Yep. Yeah. So um, they basically drove the car to Koenig. Uh, they spent about a week and a half, two weeks, redesigning the wide body kit that Koenig had to offer to make a totally one-off kit. And because the car was a European delivery, they had to make two sets of bumpers for it, uh, two sets of, you know, uh, a, a European bumper kit with the spoilers and a U.S. bumper kit with the spoilers so they'll allow it in the U.S. with all the federalization and stuff. So they redesigned the body kit, and they did this full one-off wide body kit with the the side gills that are different, the bumpers that are different, the fenders are shaped different, and this was something they wanted truly special. They were both in the collision business, husband and wife, and they wanted something as a showpiece at their body shop. So it took Willie about six months to develop the car. The car was originally a forest green with a tan interior, and they repainted it in white at Koenig, and they sent the car down. I believe it was like towards the end of 1985. November of 1985 is when it reached U.S. They were living in Los Angeles at the time, so they brought the car in through Long Beach Port, and I have all the paperwork, everything, the shipping, just 
A to Z, every piece of documentation on the car. When they received the car, there was a crate that came along with it, which included all the molds to the body kit, basically from A to Z. So in case they ever get into a wreck, they get into an accident or what have you, they have the original molds for every single body panel on that car. So when I went to go buy this car, um, I, I couldn't believe that this was kind of happening. You know, when I spoke to him, keep in mind, this is an 80-year-old couple. And when I spoke to, to, the, to the wife, she's the one that kind of runs the show. Um, and she's explaining to me what this is. And I'm thinking, this is some kind of a gag. I mean, this, is, this can't be right. And I asked her, I go, do you know how to FaceTime? She goes, yeah. I go, can you FaceTime? Are you with the car? She goes, sure. And she FaceTimes me and she walks into the garage and I'm looking at this thing. And literally three days later, truck and trailer, I was on my way to Oregon to pick it up. It was just unbelievable. You know, 23,000 mile, one of one Koenig, original owner, full documentation with all the body kit molds. It was like, you know, something that doesn't happen that often. Were you looking for this car? No, no, I wasn't looking for it. It was brought to my attention by a friend of mine. He said, listen, there's this wide body Mercedes um, for sale. It was actually on Craigslist in Oregon (laughs) with some shabby photos. And it was on there for about four weeks. And I'm thinking, okay wide body anyone sees a picture of this with everything going on with whole you know the whole mercedes tuner stuff going on there's no way this thing is still available or if it is it's some kind of a hoax but she said i probably have about 200 calls that i haven't answered on the car and she goes i'm kind of weeding through it and i want it to go to the right buyer i want it to go to the right person I don't want to resell it at auction. She just wanted to keep it something truly special, you know. So before she even sold me the car, she wanted to meet me. She said, you need to come down. Let me meet you. We'll talk. And I was there for probably eight hours before we even talked about the car. You know, just real nice but eccentric couple, eccentric in a way where, like, they want this car to go to a special person. And they they chose me. They're like, okay, we... We, we want to sell you the You're car. the new caretaker. You're, yeah. Yes. yes, exactly. This is exactly. not your first Koenig, though. No, I do have another Koenig. Uh, I do have another 85 Koenig, which is just the standard Koenig. And that has a funny story behind it as well. The owner of that car, just that's a, another story for another <laughs> day. But it's just an unbelievable story behind that car. By the way, the, the, fir- the first Koenig I bought was from the same friend. Oh. So the same friend that referred me this car sold me the first Koenig. So uh, pretty interesting, pretty interesting stuff. So funny. I remember seeing and reading about Koenig uh, because of the the Testarossa evolution, the competition. Rub it in that you knew how to read back in the 80s? Thanks. I know, yeah. I saw pictures. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, they they were building some crazy cars back then. I mean, some of the stories and the cars I have in my collection, each one of them has a story behind it. And... For me, the car's the car, but the story is what intrigues me. Where the car was, who the owner was, how they came about it. I mean, keep in mind, in, in the mid-80s, these things were selling for in the upwards of $200,000, $250,000. You know? So you had to be someone special, and you had to be someone very passionate about what you're doing in order to pay this much money for you know, an, an SEC or 
uh, a Porsche. You know, Ferrari I get, but, you know, Koenig did six series BMWs, you know, like a 635 CSI, which it was like, you know, a conservative lawyer or businessman car, but they took it and they just went totally nuts with it. Which I'm sure that, you know, it, with the quality they put in these cars, that it caused a lot of knockoffs. And that's probably why you were a little bit weary looking at an ad. You're going, yeah, wait, sure, it's the, it's the real thing. Yeah, you bet. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The, the whole one of one thing, I didn't know until I actually went there. I knew that the body kit was different than a regular Koenig. But I figured, you know, I just want to go check it out just to see what it is. And... I had no idea about the body kit mold. As we, we we loaded up the car, we're getting ready to leave. We did the whole money transfer, the paperwork, and the husband. At that point, right when we were, you know, we're getting ready to leave. And he said, there's some stuff in the attic that I want you to have. I said, well, what what is it? And I know that the car did come with Recaro seats. And they changed out the Recaro seats and put stock seats in it just to, it's easier for them to get in and so out of softer and yeah, more comfortable. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so, so I'm thinking, okay, I'm, I'm going to take home a couple of Recaro seats. So we get up in the attic and I see this, like these things hanging in the attic and they're in the form of body molds. I mean, I know what they are that we, we use them here. We make molds, we make body kits. And I'm like, this is, this is nuts. This is not happening. And I said, what is this? He goes, that's the body kit mold that came with the car, and I want you to have it. You know, He goes, I was uh, planning to sell it, but he goes, I think you should have it with the car in case you ever need it. And I had to sign a disclosure uh, that I won't recreate the kit. And Koenig is still an operating company, by the way. They're yeah. still in business. And I had to sign a disclosure that I wouldn't be able to reproduce and resell these kits. Um, because it was truly one of one, which I will never do because I want to keep the car, you know, one of one, but it, uh, just the whole thing was surreal, man. It was, it was unbelievable. And on, on the way home, I'm like still pinching myself. Like I'm trailering this car with body kit molds. Like how, who, who does that? The shit like that doesn't happen. Did I, did I read in the article that the car's never seen rain? Never. <laughs> it's amazing. It's never been driven in the rain. It's amazing. Uh, it's never been parked outside. I mean, they they took care of this car like it was their child, you know. And you look underneath the car, you know, people do the ice blasting and all kinds of shit now. And this thing is like a mirror, man. And he used to tell me, he goes, when I used to drive it, I used to take it to the shop, lift it up, blow air underneath the car, make sure all the dust is off. I mean, the car's pristine. It's It's in beautiful condition, you know. I drive it. I mean, I'm not that anal with it, but I'm not driving it to Vons. You know, I'm kind of, you know, taking care of it. But I, you know, I just want to keep the car the way it was preserved. It's been, it's survived this long. And anyone that looks at it, they think it's been restored. They think it's been redone. And everything nut to bolt on that car is original. The only thing I did to that car when I did get it, it had uh, 15 by 13 and 15 by 11 uh, mesh wheels they're called champion wheels yeah. from from the uk i'm still waiting for my tires because they're kind of like a countach setup so i had a pair of uh, etoli wheels that i put on there that are totally period correct that's the wheels on the car now with their 17 by 13 and 17 by 11 just so i can drive <laughs> it you know until i get the, the original tires but the car is just outstanding it's just unbelievable piece of history absolutely amazing are those kits all fiberglass 
that are on there. Yes. Yeah, I was going to say, even yeah. just the fact that the fiberglass is still holding up is a pretty good testament to quality because usually you just know, time takes its toll. Yeah, if you see the quality of fiberglass, I mean, they, they really built a nice car yeah. back then. I mean, most of the tuners back in the 80s, Gambala, Zender, SGS Styling Garage, uh, Koenig, they, they all were taking these cars, which were at the top of the food chain. I mean, SEC Mercedes was the best pillarless coupe you can buy at the time. And they were making these conversions when the cars were brand new. So the buyer of this car not only just paid seventy, eighty thousand dollars for a pillarless coupe, now is paying an additional hundred fifty thousand to make this kit come alive. So it had to be something like outstanding, which it was. You know, just the quality control on these cars were astonishing. Was that their original goal? Like, is that why they did a European delivery? Like, they knew that this is what they wanted to do with the car. Okay. Yes. Yeah. The goal was they wanted to do a European delivery. Uh, partially for tax purposes because apparently when you drove it in europe it wasn't a new car remember that, yeah. when, and this was completely recreated so um they saved a shit ton of money on taxes back then and just put the difference into the body kit but that was their goal was to have a wide body car amazing yeah besides the extreme nature of these cars just in the looks like what and i know seeing them like uh, we were all mesmerized by them in the 80s but uh what keeps your draw yeah. there i mean the, the obviously the 80s have come back what's this isn't a, a new thing for you what what has kept your interest so long so these cars always interest you know i was always interested in these cars they always kind of like spark something in me ever since i was a kid you know um i'm 45 i was you know i grew up in the 80s and my mother was a was a custom wedding designer. She she made custom wedding dresses, and she worked at a boutique in Beverly Hills. Which, in the summers, I used to go with her while she did her you know met her clients, and I used to hang out outside. And at the time, in Beverly Hills, you're talking mid eighties, you know eighty five, eighty six. All you saw on the boulevard was just specialty cars. I mean, it was, it was years of excess. I mean, if nobody wanted something original, it was either an AMG or a DeLorean or a Countach or something special. So every time I saw these kitted cars, whether they were Mercedes, BMW, etc., I just used to like stare at these cars and all, man, I was in total love. You know, Miami Vice was my best show, you know, I mean, my parents thought I was going to be a drug dealer when I grew up. Like, <laughs> yeah, who didn't? Yeah, <laughs> like all this kid, all all this kid does is watch Miami Vice, and I used to record them on a VHS and just re- rewind the part when the drug dealers were driving their cars. So my parents were like, this kid's going to sell coke. That's, that's his <laughs> He's profession. looking at how to sell coke. No, I'm looking <laughs> yeah. at how to make a car. Yeah, yeah. 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 So, yeah. so um, believe it or not, I still go back to the reruns and I kind of play them back and see kind of how they were and what they were. And, uh, so I knew growing up, like, this is what I want. You know, my first car, I want it to be something special. Um, the first car actually I had was my, a Fiat, my brother's hand me down. It's a 79 Brava, which I still own. It's just pristine. And that's what I drove as a first car. And then I saved up money and I bought an 86 300 E, which I still own. Um, I couldn't afford much, so I had to go for like the grandpa smoke silver on 10 and, you know, try to make the best of it. But I did make it a hammer clone. I put the full AMG kit on it, the monoblocks, the lowering springs, nice. and I still own the car. And it looks like a hammer, but obviously it's just a regular 300E. 
And that's what I drove, you know, and people used to look at me like, what are you doing with this old Benz? You know, they, they didn't understand. And over the years, like I just used to buy and sell a lot of these Benzes. Keep in mind, they were worth nothing. Nobody wanted them. You know, in high school, I graduated in 96. During high school, when I started driving, I used to leave school and drive straight to the junkyard, you know, pick apart LKQ and just sift through parts. And I used to have, you know, body kits. I bought whether it was a front spoiler, rear spoiler, one rim, two rims, whatever I can find. I used to go to the VW section because I know some Jettas came with Recaro seats. Mm -hmm. I used to, you know, just and collected and collected and collected. And it got to a point where the the garage at home was kind of like my parts bin. And some I sold, some I kept. I still have, I have like warehouse full of parts still that I've just collected over the years. And I just knew that, you know, one day th these things were worth so much money. How is it that this shit's not going to come back around? It's going to come around. It's going to be worth something again. People were spending $30,000, dollars $50,000 on these cars in the 80s and 90s. How can it be worthless now? It's just impossible. And that's kind of how I got into it. And I stuck to it, you know. And now I, I look back and I'm like, I've seen you know, going SGS cars at the junkyard. I've seen convertible SECs. I've seen so many cars that I wish I can go back and resurrect. But at the time, you know, they, they weren't worth much. Everyone looked at it as just a cut up bent that nobody wants. Yeah. So um, that's kind of how I got into it, man. And one thing led to another, I uh, got into the family business of auto collision and uh, decided to create my own division with CMS. And the rest is history. So your mom was in the in the wedding dress business, but you said you yeah. got into the family business. Who else? Who was in the collision business? Uh, my uncle. Your uncle. Both okay. my uncles. Yeah. All right. Both my uncles. I grew up in a body shop. I mean, I you know when it got to an age where I could do things, I used to tinker. They used to pick me up from home in the morning, take me to the shop during summer. On the weekends, I was there Saturday, and it's just I loved it, man. You know, just the smell of paint, bondo, and all kinds of stuff was kind of what got me going you know i went to a few years of community college and i'm like nah, this isn't gonna work for me we yeah. get that we get that are you are you st <laughs> yeah. are you still tinkering to this day every day every day every it's day. important yeah i i always have a project brewing at the shop you know whether it's my personal stuff or or things that i do for people um this year we we started my company 1000 cms where we're building completely bespoke mercedes cars uh, per order uh, basically recreating everything that was done in the 80s, but with completely newer drivetrains. Uh, we're doing swaps out of like 211 chassis E55s, E63s, uh, full coilover suspension, upgraded audio, upgraded electrical, and just kind of putting the, the Singer vibe to Mercedes. So you're re resto-modding Mercedes. Resto-modding Mercedes awesome. using all original components. Um, we've already built a couple of them. We're in the process of rebodying a 71 uh, 280 SE to a 211 chassis E63. So essentially, it's going to be everything from an E63 with the 280 SE body, which is going to be pretty badass. Very so badass. That's kind of, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that's kind of what we're doing. And then uh, this, this February, we merged with SGS in Germany. Huh. So we're going to start building 
15 final edition SGS cars, 10 convertibles and five gullwings. So that's also in the works. And it's just a bunch of fun stuff, man. This is kind of what I've been wanting to do for such a long time and been working my way up to it. But it's just, uh, it takes a lot out of you. But it's it's so fun. A car that we've been told we need. Jacob said we need to talk to you about is these. Uh, that you're getting into the Fox Body Mustangs, or that you picked up a Fox Body oh, Mustang. Yeah. Okay. I've, man, I've always been into Fox Body Mustangs. Um, yeah, that's kind of like a, my kind of uh, the the car that I wanted to get into and just go sideways. <laughs> you know, Mercedes. Yep. Yeah. So we grew I, up on Vanilla I, Ice too. We're good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I. I bought my first Fox body, uh, at 17. It was an 86 GT that I used to take street racing and do all kinds of crazy shit with. And after that, I've always kind of had a Fox body, you know, uh, now I have five in my collection, uh, two salines, 189 convertible, 188 hardtop. I have an 85 notchback, which was, uh, not an XCHP, but it was actually, uh, an air force fox body where it used to have a big flag in the back of it and it used to guide the big jets when they were landing on the runway and this was kind of like the car that they used to follow so it has almost forty thousand miles which were all you know all runway miles at, at the airport and uh i have a 93 cobra and my favorite one is the dominator the the 1990 dominator wide body that thing is just unbelievable massive box flares right yeah massive yeah. box flares Such hre cool. wheels yeah. yeah just awesome so yeah fox bodies are fun man they just if i ever want to let loose i just you know you know how it is you just let the clutch go and that thing goes everywhere yep. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Such what, a cool car. what are you driving on a daily basis what do you have, what's your daily you know, I drive everything, man. I, I try to exercise all my cars. Okay. I don't really have like a daily per se. Um, you know, everyone's different. My my daily, you know, I you know, I, I think life's too short to have like boring cars, a Prius, a Prius <laughs> or a Honda, and there's nothing wrong with it. You know, we we have a Prius as a shop car that we take customers around in and such, and we have a shuttle van, but. I think life is too short to drive something standard, you know, whether it's one car, two cars, three cars, however many cars you have in your collection, you know, it's, it's just so nice as a car guy to have a diversity of cars to drive, whether you're in traffic and whether you're in the city, whether you do, you do highway driving. I mean, my commute from home to the shop is about a 35 minute drive. Um, I'm on the 405 freeway in LA at, you know, the 405 is like a parking lot. But I leave super early and I leave late just to kind of beat the traffic so I can exercise these cars, you know, especially Benz's from the 80s and 90s. You got to keep those things driving. You got to keep them running. The more they sit, the more they cost to maintain yep. and they just, you know. So I don't really have a daily, to be honest. Just I drive whatever I get. I have customers sometimes. They tell me, hey, take my car home. Check it out. It's making noises. So yeah, it's fun stuff. I was going to say it. It's. Uh, I understand people who need to buy a reliable commuter when they buy something that just fits. It does the job, and I get it. But you spend right. so much time in your car that it's. You could be enjoying that time 
not just, you know, not because you found something Absolutely. good to listen to, like you can actually just enjoy the process. And it's like, you know, oh, yeah. I commute, I commute, yeah. my, I don't have to, I work from home, so I don't have to drive that far. But when I do come into the office, I, I mean, I still take the Raptor because it's just fun. It's a stupid vehicle. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, hit everything. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I used, to yeah I used to commute in my turbo all the time, my 911 and my Z06 even. I put 40,000 miles on my Z06 in a year. So yeah. it was people worry about gas prices and economy and shit. And I'm like, listen, man, you can't put a price on fun. No. You know, it's like, if you're having a good time driving that car, sometimes I, I take the long way home. If I have a car that I want to really drive and exercise, um, you know, I used to do this years ago, man, when, when I used to get a good CD, I just used to take the long way home just yep. to listen to music in it. Exactly. It's the best, you know? Yeah. Oh, so, all your cars have tape decks. We know that. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> so, period. Correct. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Very correct. What, yeah. what, what, what are you looking for? Like what's, mm. what's, what's on the, on the horizon as far as obviously, it, you know, you're building everything that you wanted as a child, but what, what are you yeah. looking for? I mean, honestly, man, I, I want to create history. You know, I, I want to create these cars that people can look at 10, 15, 20 years from now, just like I look at the cars from the eighties and say, fuck dude, what the hell was this guy thinking? You know, like <laughs> this is wild, you know? And, uh, I've collected many cars. I restored many cars. And, um, I said to myself, you know, a few years back, I'm like, why not start creating something, you know, like create a Gumbala or create an SGS, create what Zender did, but just take it up to the next level. You know, just like what Singer did to the Porsche movement was just unreal. You know, just the whole idea of what he did and and how they did it and the performance factor of it, just yeah. in every aspect of it, it's amazing, you know. And no one has really penetrated Mercedes that way. No. You know, BMW's been done, Porsche has been done, there's a big Audi following, but Mercedes collectors have always been known as the gull wings the 300 sls the pagodas and but everything out of the 80s and 90s that are actually cars that want to be driven have never been penetrated that way yeah i mean you mentioned the hammer which is a cool car to talk about oh yeah the the hammer was just unreal for its time oh yeah that i mean I think of, of all the Mercedes that stand out, that one probably is one of the few tuner Mercedes that jumps into my head. The rest are like, you know, one-off factory editions, like Black Series and things like that. But as far as tuner Mercedes, I, there's very few. I feel like there's yeah. people out there, if you don't know what the Hammer is, you still know what it looks like. Because yes. So many yeah. times I've talked about the Hammer and I've shown somebody a picture. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, I've seen that. I know what that car is. And, you know, yeah. there's, like, there's two of them around here, isn't there? Uh, I thought. Haven't we seen one? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not crazy, but yeah. yeah. So, so the true hammer is the, is the 124 chassis four door car with a six liter. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's the true hammer. And that car is just getting the recognition that it deserves. Before that, it was like you could pick up a hammer for $30,000, $40,000. Mm -hmm. Yep. Nobody wanted them. They were, they are still kind of problematic. As far as the engine, if you don't have someone that knows and knowledgeable about how to tune them and get them going. And that's kind of what people were turned off on. Now you look at the pricing and what they're worth. It's ridiculous. Yeah, It's just insane. 
What do you think, as an automotive enthusiast, what do you think is uh, today's cars that's going to be the hammer in the future? What, maybe not necessarily power and speed, but like, what do you think? You know, like a lot. I've asked this car. question before, and people are telling me it's going to be the RS6 Avant and things like that. Like, I mean, everybody wants them now, but they they think we're going to see you know dip and then they'll come back, kind of thing. You know, all the all the car companies now, Audi, Mercedes, BMW, they they have their their specialty cars that are still underrated. You know, I just sold my Lime Rock M3. It was a 2013 Lime Rock, which was an amazing car. You know, 400 horsepower V8, naturally aspirated, just well balanced car. Um, I own another car, which is a 204 chassis C55, which is very underrated, very cool, very car. affordable, very cool car. Uh, 210 chassis E55s. You know, these these cars are true AMG cars. Uh, you know, the Black Series CLK. I mean, that that car is just everything that AMG is all about. Coupe, wide body, full adjustable suspension, 500 plus horse, just bulletproof car. You know, you can track that. You can daily it. You can do whatever you want to it. That's what I feel that AMG is all about. Um that car again underrated it's just it just started hitting $100,000 which look at the car you're getting for the money it's incredible you know and these these are the cars like like the Avant the, the Audis you know S- some of these cars are so incredible i i had a i had an S4 with a V8 in it i drove for a short period of time and that car was just that thing was fucking awesome i i fell in love with that car i sold it to a friend of mine and these are cars that in the future are going to be definitely worth something, are definitely going to be worth keeping as, as, a, as a car guy, as a driver. And they're not making anything like that now. That, that whole era of that type of car is, is totally done. Yeah, I'd say the B7 RS4 jumps out yep. to me. The, RS- the B7 RS4, yeah. That, I mean, that, that car is just unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, and... These are the cars that are going to definitely appreciate in in the future. You know, right now it's all about like the 80s and 90s, and eventually it's going to work their way up. Um, I'm kind of starting to collect cars from like the late 90s now because I know those are the next ones in line to jump up. Like bang for the buck, um, if you can get yourself a clean E55 210 chassis, grab it. Yeah. These cars are on the way up. Um, CLK 55 another bulletproof car and you can find these right now under $20,000 for a nice example. And, and these are the ones that are going to be appreciated in the future. I guarantee you. Well, just the sound alone because <laughs> nothing oh, sounds yeah. good anymore. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, it's forget about it. I, I don't own a new car. I don't think I ever will, you know, anything in that, in that era, but uh, nothing impresses me, man. It's like I look at these new cars. I work on them all day. I see them, and I'm like, see myself paying seventy grand for something like this. We hear that a lot. Is that people just feel disconnected from the new cars, even cars that Very are that seem really raw. I mean, I've talked about this before, it's sort of endlessly. Sorry, audience. Uh, with my C7 Z06, felt more refined than my C6 Z06, which everybody says is like a yeah. jackhammer trying to trying to drive a nail. And even though it had 150 more horsepower in the C7, the C6 felt like it wanted to kill me way more. Hmm. Because it was just, oh, yeah. it only five five hundred horsepower, all nor, all naturally aspirated V eight, and 
it, yes, it's still at ABS and traction control, but compared to the C7, it has it feels like it has nothing because that thing will right. kick it loose anytime you want it to. It's like just learning to drive sideways was part of driving the car. So, and the more we get newer, the less of that we get. It's less exciting. <laughs> yeah, Chevy too, man. They're they're doing things right. I mean, I fell in love with with their product. I had an 05 C CTSV. Oh yeah, that's and uh, I it was twin turboed with 700 <laughs> horses. I mean, that thing was just insane. And like even the CTSV wagons, like I mean, that thing's badass. People already know those are going to be you worth a, a mountain. If you can get a CTSV oh. wagon with a manual, you're paying a hundred plus oh, now yep, <laughs> already. Yep. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. And and those were were worth what you know forty fifty grand would have got you a real nice one. Yep. You know, so these cars again, they're they're people are starting to realize shit, man. The, you know, these are forgotten hot rods. They're just for, forgotten bulletproof fun cars that you can daily. You know, um, you sp want to speak in nostalgia, like so. We always, you know, try to dig deep on our guests and stuff like that. And I was going back on your Instagram, and there's a photo that you posted in October of 2017 that sent me back to my childhood. And it was uh, you're sitting inside uh, your '86 BMW 528e. Oh yeah. So yeah. the first the first car I ever fell in love with was my dad bought a, a 1985 535i with Amola red gold BBS wheels, and like, and I, you're, you're sitting here, and and we'll post this photo, but. They weren't known for cup holders, and he's holding two pieces, he two cups of coffee. I remember this like I was the guy that held the coffee for my dad while he was driving. <laughs> and at the time that you know when we he bought that car new in Spokane, Washington, it was like 185 horsepower. It was the most powerful four door sedan in the world, or something. That, that <laughs> yeah. and I'm and you took this photo and it, like I remember cleaning the gear shift like and, and cleaning that car and like it brought back so much nostalgia. Like now the five yeah. the five twenty eighty was gutless, but it was a beautiful car. Um, but I, yeah. it was just I was looking at that and I was and. It was funny, like, I happened to see my dad today. I was like, what does that remind you of? He's like, oh, my gosh, where is that car? We were, it, it, it caused a whole conversation. And that was part of my love of cars is, was that car. And, I mean, I wish my father had never sold it, you know. But um, and, and, you, and you're even rocking the Alpine deck in it, which is, I mean, we didn't oh, yeah. have, we had the original deck, but it was dying quickly. So, <laughs> yeah. um, so much nostalgia there. Yeah. That, that car uh, I actually bought from the original owner. That has 50,000 miles. Wow. It's a bronze. It looks brand it's new. A, I mean, in, in 2017, yeah, it looked brand new. Yeah. So it's, yeah. it's immaculate. It's immaculate, that car. And the guy owned it from day one, yeah. cared for it. And he actually took it back to the dealer where he originally bought it to, to buy a new one. And he took that car to him as a trade-in. And my buddy that owns uh, <laughs> a, a he, he owns a car lot and he basically buys all of the trade-in cars that come in from the BMW dealer. And he saw this car and the, the dealer gave him like nothing for it. Of course. So he felt bad for the guy. So he walked up to the guy and said, Hey, you know, why don't you, why are you trading this in? He goes, you know, I bought it from here. I just want to trade it in. And he goes, I know the perfect buyer for this car. So he called me and he's like, listen, there's this car. Do you want it? It's got 50,000 miles. I said, just, I said, just take it, you know, I'll, I'll buy it, whatever it is. And, um, when I saw the car, I'm like, this is friggin' beautiful i mean <laughs> inky wheels it came with inky wheels that he bought in 86 cool he gave me the original bottle caps with the original tires on it because he re replaced the inky wheels when the car had like a thousand miles so i have the original bottle caps with the original tires on it obviously they're <laughs> dry to shit but they're date coded to 86 yeah just super cool car i wasn't looking for it it's just again it was something that you can't pass up with that kind of mile. 
Um, but I I love BMWs too. I have an E30 wagon. Uh, I have nice. an E30. Yeah, I have an E30 M, M Technique. Uh, I had the Lime Rock that uh, I sold, which was, again, a great car. I had an E30 M3 when they weren't worth a million dollars. But, yeah, Beamers are cool, man. And that thing just drives so nice. Gutless, very yeah. gutless, but it's just I, it's just super it, comfy. It, I mean, I can't say. like I, It was just an epiphany to look at it. And, like, and the photo is looking at the five-speed gear shift with the buttons. And, I'm, and I, all I can think about is, like, you come over a little bit like, near the driver, and you got that you had that driver computer. Yeah, yeah, which was you know it was, yes. it was like a it was like a watch calculator that they put on the on the dash. So exactly, yeah, so cool. Exactly, yeah. I love. And you know, no, go, if go sorry, if you ever shifted the gears, you, you remember it had that little snap. Yep, that little and this thing has that yep. snap, which is just unreal. I mean, the, the photo back in seventeen. I mean, it looked like the car was brand new. So I that's I wanted. I knew I wanted to get the story for it. So I appreciate that. Yeah. <laughs> for so. sure. I like yeah. the uh, the mix is what I was going to say of as I go through the CMS uh, Motorsports your Instagram is CMS underscore Motorsports and uh, there's a, a beautiful mix of cars it's like walking back through my childhood of things I loved because uh, we're we're close to the same age Nick and I are 43 and um, like you have this um, 89 Trans Am GTA which is yes. super high on my list to resto mod because oh, yeah. I mean I grew up with Knight Rider of course so I always loved them but the GTA same to me here. was like what like the pinnacle of what the Trans Am should be. And it kind of went downhill after that style to me. Yeah. I know the F bodies are going to, they're going to come back, but I, um, yeah, yeah. I going through that, but I, it's also the extreme you go through and there's just like really clean examples of really nice cars from the era, but then you have extremes, AMG GTs, Porsches, Ferraris, all these cool cars. I have been dying. And I, I keep asking this in the show, anybody who knows a vector W eight, not the WX three, uh. the W eight. That is like top of my list for the pinnacle of 80s insanity. And I love all that. It thing. is. Because the the 80s at that time, the tuner cars, um, they 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 it felt like everybody was trying like just trying to see how far they could push it, you know? And the 80s were like you said, that extremism, the opulence, that over the top, uh, like with the Gullwing uh Koenigs and yep. the uh, the competition evolution Testarossa, which is a was it twin turbo, right? The ev- yes. evolution. Yes, it was. And it made it like it, they combined F40 body parts with it. Actually, it's a really good looking car. Yeah. Even today, I love the, I think it's a beautiful car. But um, yeah, I mean, back then too, I mean, you saw, imagine these things when they were new. Yeah. I mean, just unreal. Speaking, just, speaking of cars that were new, I mean, and I saw one of these in my life and you, apparently you own, own one. Do you still have your 90 Jag XJS uh, V12? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. You talk about a car that I mean I've seen once. I mean I'm looking at your photos. I mean and it is, it is exactly how I would spec it too. As far as you know, I mean I'm a big British car fan, but like how clean these cars. I mean these it's just amazing. I mean obviously you know do you end up when you buy cars like this? Do you end up having to do some work to it being in the body shop, or do you so, find cars that are somewhat done? You know it depends on the car. If I see like a really clean example of whatever it is, it just kind of interests me. I you know. I have I have how many Jags? Four Jags. I have um, I have the red one. I have the XJS red one. I have a white one with uh, an XJS again, just as clean. I have a wide body Koenig XJS. Um, I have a seventy three uh, XJ. And um, these, so if I find a car that's super clean and super maintained it just does something to me. Like I, I, I love 
seeing a car that's been well preserved. Mm -hmm. You know, I have an 84 Renault Fuego Turbo and my, my brother had one in high school and it took me years and years and years to find one that's rust free, that's running and driving. So when I did find one, it was just, it, it's, it's an immaculate condition. It has its stuff here and there. It's got its, you know, chips and scratches, but it's just been maintained so well with British cars. Um, they, you know, if you find a clean British car, you know that that car has been taken care of because it's, it has a specific owner, like all the owners that these Jags that I've owned have had, they've been, they've been meticulous with their maintenance. I mean, this red one that you're, you're looking at the red one, right? Correct. On Instagram. Yeah. The guy, you know, he, he said, when I sit in the car, I sit in a certain way. So I don't scrape the bolster because it has the red piping. It's the classic Ruse edition. So he was kind of like crazy about how he kept the car. And that's the kind of car that I want to buy. I don't mind paying a premium because I know no matter what I do, it's never going to be original. It's only original once. So if you find a clean example and it's original and it's been taken care of, leave it alone. It's a survivor. It's got its chips, its scratches, but that's the beauty of it, you know. So most of the cars that I have, unless they're something truly special, I try to find clean examples, not only for investment's sake, but, you know, being that I have a shop, believe me, man, I don't have much time to work on these. If I pull one of the employees and put them on my car, then they're I'm pulling them off the production line. So it's kind of like a double whammy. Yeah, I have I have like a set of people that only work on my cars, which I, obviously I help them to break away from the business because you can't take someone that's on the production line and put them on something that's you know that's my personal car because obviously they're they want to make their money, they want to make their commissions, etc. But um, but I try to find the cleanest example of what I'm looking for, and sometimes I pray like. You know, I pay a premium, but I just sometimes I just want to jump in a car and drive it, man. I don't want to deal with restoration, pulling the motor out. And if you're into British cars, you know what I'm talking about. Yes. I mean, those Jags, you open the hood, man. They're like spaghetti under yep. there. <laughs> yeah. Lucas wiring, the Prince of Darkness. Yep. Oh, yeah. Yep. Oh, yeah. yeah. You, oh, think, yeah. you think motors are crammed in now? No, yeah. Jag, I think, invented crammed in motor. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Especially with but that V12. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, but they're beautiful cars, man. They drive so nice. I mean, something about British cars, just it's just unreal. I'm noticing a lot of the cars we're talking about, and, and maybe you just haven't said it, like they seem to come into your collection, but I don't hear much leaving the collection. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, you're like, I've had this one since I was a kid. I've had this one since I was a kid. Like, you know. See, now, now you're starting to sound like my wife. Oh, okay. Well, I mean, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, so I don't really sell. I mean, uh, you're right. I think I, I saw that meme on your on your on your Instagram. It's like I bought a new car. My wife asked me which one did I sell. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So we, you know, last year she kind of said, "Look, you know, we we, we, we got to talk. We got a few things to talk <laughs> I'm about." I'm good. She goes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. She goes. Um, we're kind of running out. You know, we're we're running out of space. And she said, "Let's make a deal. If you buy something, you have to sell something." And that was like, shit. This is gonna be tough. You know what I mean? So I kind of made a list of cars that I'm going to part with this year, which I'm slowly starting to kind of prepare to sell. But, you know, I definitely do want them to go to good owners. I want them to go to good homes. I've cared for these cars, you know, tremendously. I've, you know, I've driven them well. I've maintained them well. So I want it to go to a good home, you know. So it's time to let a few of them go. 
just for the space factor. I mean, I'm up to almost 90 cars now in my collection. And there, I can tell you about 60 of them are registered, insured. I drive them. You know, the others are somewhat in restoration or on non-op. But um, it's getting to a point where I either have to invest in like a warehouse to keep them because I kind of have them scattered through a few locations or, you know, I, I have to part with them. And it's getting to a point where I think I have to let a few go. Just I don't have the time anymore. Yeah. It's taken up a lot of my time. It's a good problem to have. That was not the number I was expecting. Like, yeah, I was, I was thinking like 30. Yeah, I was like, I'm 90. I was like, how can I just, I was like, I was about to make a joke. Like, oh, don't, you know, I'm, your wife sh- should be fine. I'm like, okay, 90, I'm going to give yeah. you that one. Like, yeah, yeah. But she's, I'm, yeah. I'm very, I'm very lucky that she's, very blessed. she's in, she's in the cars and I'm blessed that she, you know, she loves cars and, you know, she grew up leasing, you know, parents leased her brand new cars throughout the years and she drove brand new cars. And then when she met me, you know, we went on our first date with my 300E. That's the car I took out. And she was like, oh, this is kind of cool. I'm like, okay. You know, yeah. at, at the time, this was like, you know, 15, 20 years ago. You know, if you didn't have a new BMW on the date scene or a new Mercedes, you weren't, you know, you, 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 you were the shitty guy, you know. But when I took her out on a date, she was like, okay, this is kind of cool. And then when we started dating, eventually we got married um she just didn't want a new car she goes i don't want any more new cars and i you know put together a nice collection for her to enjoy um and she just drives those cars on a regular basis you know she kind of like goes as as she pleases i built her uh a 124 wagon a red 124 (laughs) wagon with a full 500e kit I, I was literally, uh, we were waiting for you to come on. I was like, I was like, Dan, I was like, I would drive the crap out of this car. Yes. <laughs> like, yeah, I was like, absolutely. I was like a hundred percent every day yeah. I would drive that car. Yeah. 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 So she, I, I bought her a G wagon and she drove that car in four years. She put like 5,000 miles on it. So I ended up selling it cause it was just sitting. And, um, one day I had this, I had this wagon in the back it needed complete, you know, paint interior and things, but it was, it was an Imperial red on black wagon, which was a rare spec. It's a 94. And I had parts off of a 500 E that a tree fell on. The car couldn't be registered. The motor was just frozen. So I parted the car out and obviously junked the body. And, um, I was looking at both cars, you know, I was looking at the parts in the cars one day and I'm like, how about if I build myself a wagon, you know, how would that be? And I had the quarter panels, everything cut out. And I figured I'll come across a 500 E one day that's going to need all this stuff and, and I'll have it. But I took the wagon out. I washed it. And this was right when I sold the G wagon and I was looking to buying her something else. She wanted something a little smaller. So when I pulled the car in front of the shop, she goes, what is that? I go, that's our wagon. She goes, how come I haven't seen it? I said, well, it was, it was covered in the back. There's a lot she of things goes, you haven't seen, but we're not going to talk <laughs> yeah. about that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. she goes, what are you going to do with it? She goes, I'm going to build a wide body out of it and blah, blah, blah. And I was explaining because I have a 500E as well. And I'm like, this is what I'm going to do in a red color, etc." She goes, okay. She goes, I'll take that car as a daily if you want to build it for me. I'm like, cool. You know, so I, I built it. We put all the body parts on there, cut the quarters out did a lot of work to the rear bumper to convert it into you know, the wagon with, with the notch cut out and the whole nine. 
and she drives that. You know, she drives that back and forth. That's so cool. Um, I bought her a '68 Pagoda that I restored. Uh, she has a, a Le Mans, uh, a Tour de France blue on 10 360 Cabriolet convertible. She has, um, and she just drives whatever. I mean, I bought the wagon, the E30 wagon for her cause she wanted a manual wagon. So I bought that for her. I put BBS, you know, three piece RS wheels on it on suspension and she, she drives that. So she has fun with it, man. Your wife's cool. Very cool. <laughs> I'm so blessed. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, and it's so amazing when, you know, she drives these cars because she really understands, like she goes, I, I can, you know, the cars that the odor, the feel, the smell, just everything about him is so nostalgic. And her dad was a big collector. You know, he had Bentleys and Rolls Royces over the years. So she always kind of grew up in older cars. And once she got back into it, she's like, I don't want a new car, which I'm very happy about. <laughs> I think, you know, Dan and I have talked about this many times on the podcast that there's there's two groups of people in this world and there, there are people that buy and sell cars and then there are people that pass to new caretakers. And I think you're definitely one of the caretakers, yeah. you know, especially, yeah. you know, I'm, and I'm sure that, you know, anybody would be glad. I'm sure that the, the people that you bought that original Mercedes from up in Oregon, was that's their story now and the fact that they know that car is being taken care of and that everything is, being, oh, yeah. you know. I still keep in touch with them, man. Most of the buyers, you know, most of the people that I bought these cars from, I still keep in touch with them um, because they're just cool, man. I mean, it's just they're they're car guys just like us. They were car guys at one time, and it's just um, the stories behind the cars is amazing, man. Some of the stories that I have, and I, I truly am thankful that they they trust me to be the next caretaker for these cars. It's a lot. You know, at this point, it's almost more like um, trading art commodities because a lot yeah. of these cars are very polarizing and people now either I'm sure there's there's haters and there's people who love it, but it's still art and it's subjective in that way. And that in, you're really like people are starting to understand that because we're seeing more of it. Radwood, things like that. The car, the car show scene has shifted quite a bit since I was a kid. We're getting more specialized. Yeah. We're seeing more of these cars. Um, we're, we're talking to um Steve Rimmer the other day about how uh, rally cars are coming up in the the auction scene where they weren't they yeah. were nothing forever like you could old rally cars were like whatever a diamond dozen and now people are like hundred grand take my money like just give me this car and it's cool to see that these cars are still existing and still living beyond their time it's nice to see people like you are still out there making sure they stay <laughs> restored yeah. and and not just not just in a museum I like going to a museum and seeing cars don't get me wrong but I like the fact that they're out there and I can see one driving down the road. It just breaks my heart that people don't drive their car. Yeah. You know, I mean, they're... We don't want know. to be around those type of people. Uh, yeah. So, <laughs> you don't have time for that negativity. Yeah. But, I mean, it's, you know, everyone's different. I, I respect all types of collectors, but I definitely drive my cars. I yeah. drive them every chance I get. You know. Excellent. Most people we have on here do. Yeah, I know. That's, that's, that's kind of like what the, we look for. It's yeah. kind of like our motto is drive everything. Yeah, it's, it's weird, isn't that? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, that works. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, sure, Sean, man. it's been great to have you on the show. It's been great catching up uh, since the article sure. and seeing your collection and talking about it more. We hope we can see Thank more you. of it in the future and uh, hopefully more articles in the, in the magazine. Yeah, well, I'd like to have you back on and, and talk a few more of those 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 uh, Mercedes stories because I'm curious. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, some of the stories, you know, it's just incredible. I When we merged with uh, SGS and the stories with Chris Hahn that he was telling me about his clientele list, it's just 
that's a whole other that's a whole other episode. Okay, it's just un- unreal. We can make that happen. We can do another episode. Yeah, that sounds yeah. great. Yeah. So. Yeah, but no, you'll definitely see my stuff around. You guys are more than welcome to my shop anytime. We always have something fun here, man. Sounds appreciate great. it. So if we, if we make it down to uh, California, we're definitely going to come see it. So yeah, thank absolutely. you for your time. Thank uh, you, guys. As always, for this episode of the Avance Podcast, I'm Nick. I'm Dan, and don't just get there. Enjoy the drive. <laughs>